This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. That's right. Welcome into Mackie and Judd. Phil out today. We expect him back tomorrow. So it's Judd, it's Declan, and also appearing, if you are uh, catching this on YouTube, on our screen, our good friend uh, Dane Moore of the Dane Moore NBA podcast, who covers the Timberwolves, does an outstanding job on his podcast um, of talking about the team basically on a daily basis. And, um, Dane, just w- wanted to have you on on the eve now of the regular season opener. And I want to start you with this one because it strikes me, and in my days on the beat, I, I think I I think I know your response, but I do want to hear it. Um, <laughs> how, how tired are you of the anticipation? And, and I guess more importantly and more positively, how uh, how excited are you just for the basketball to be tipped off? And now you actually get to see Gobert and Towns instead of like hypothesizing about what they might do. Yeah, man, I'm I'm ready. It's uh, it's been it's been so odd that we haven't got to see it, which is something we did not remotely expect when this trade went down on July first, right? We had this anticipation of what is this going to look like? What is this going to look like? And then. You know, all of a sudden, training camp comes around, media day, Carl's a last-minute scratch, if you will, and kind of hasn't had the opportunity to play throughout the entire training camp for the most part. And I think that's getting, like, all the attention. Mm-hmm. But, like, Rudy hasn't either. Like, Rudy Rudy has been dealing with the, the knee, body, whatever uh, is going on, just kind of fatigue from Eurobasket. So, yeah, I, I kind of it's felt like one of these things where it's, it's been long, haven't learned a lot yep, and it yep. hasn't really gotten better. So they need to start like playing basketball games and winning to, I think sort of affirm their position that this was a good move for them and that they're, you know, that this is as good as they've said it was going to be. Now it looked, it like, looked like, like on the Friday, on the Friday night, night game, game, I think I'm getting some feedback. Uh, you're good, yep. Okay. You're thank you. It appeared on the Friday night game, uh, which is, by the way, a preseason practice game, but uh, that you guys who covered it were like, oh, boy, this looks uh, clunky a little bit. It doesn't look. Um, Was that more a concern or just an observation? Because, I mean, it's one game preseason. And as you said, it's not like these guys have played together a a lot. But I was just curious what your overall takeaway was from that sort of you know, experimental run, which sounds like it definitely had some kinks to iron out. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was terrible. Um, <laughs> that, that comes though with context, right? Right. Uh, 
like that day, we talked to Carl at shooter on practice the morning of the game, and he goes, well, today was only the second day Rudy and I have got to practice together. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and the first day didn't really count because I didn't get to practice. So I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Sounds like what practice to me? So, like, literally the first time they had full contact practice together on the floor together, not just those two, but but that whole starting group um, was the day of that Friday game. And it looked like it. There was absolutely zero flow in the offense, which is was a staple of the Finch offense. That's kind of like his offensive ethos, right? Ball movement, replace, kind of get out of the way and, and let your players play and let the players on the floor let each other play. And it was so sticky. It looked like a talented group of pickup that had never played together before, you know? And, and I don't mean any of this to be an indictment of, of what this is going to be during the season, but we have, you know, 25 minutes of tape on this starting group. And it looked like a roster that did not fit well together. Now, I, again, I don't believe that, but what are we, that is the one thing we have on film to look at with this group. And I think it, it has, it affirms the people's opinion that this was going to take a little while to, you know, work out, get the clunkiness out. Finch has talked about how he's expected it to be clunky at the big beginning of the year. And I think that just kind of proved that point. How long is it going to be clunky? That's my question. Now. Dane, what's also the the plan for Cat? So he obviously had that that hospital stay um, for for whatever illness that was. Is is there a type of maybe slow build up here to like do once they get rolling on Wednesday? Is it just forty two minutes for Carl? Is there going to be like a slow build into getting him up to playing the regular minutes? Like, what do you think the plan is for Carl once the season begins from a minute standpoint? I mean, there should be no expectation that his minutes shouldn't be anything but normal. And if they aren't going to be, we should learn a little bit more about what this illness is. I mean, the ways I've heard it described to me sounded like a really bad version of strep, you know? So yeah, you can't like eat and for a while there. And he, he certainly lost some more weight than he'd already lost, but I don't think this should be, I don't think this should be an excuse for Carl. Like I, I think, it, like it's he has been back practicing for you know two three weeks now if anything there's some lighter weight um that maybe will impact some of his physicality but in terms of like his wind and being able to play 35 minutes on wednesday or on friday like i i don't i don't really foresee that to be any sort of an issue for sure nobody has has said that exactly it's just been kind of a bizarre illness that you know, I think those of us on the beat, out of respect to Carl, he told us not to talk about it. So we haven't talked about it, but I think that comes with the implication that, you know, he's going to be fine, right? And fine to go once once the first game happens. So I'm I'm not really sure. I, I, I think we just got to see what this looks like on the floor, and hopefully we can just forget all of training camp. Yeah, exactly right. On Gobert, so let's go to him. Um, I, I don't know if I have uh, done this diatribe for you, and I won't do the whole thing, uh, but um, playing for your country in your old basketball drives me absolutely crazy, especially for veterans, because I want them to be resting because I pay them millions of dollars. Um, so that being said, where are we at with him as well? Because, I mean, he's not a young man. He is a very big man, 
And I would take it that, you know, stresses on the joints and things like, like that accumulate for a guy like Gobert. Uh, while we're talking about Towns and, you know, the sickness and blah, 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 where do you feel that are, are we just going to hit the ground running with Rudy? Or is this also because he did spend a large portion of the summer playing very competitive basketball? Is this also going to be a they're going to have to ease him in a bit as well? Potentially. Vince said the first day of training camp, Rudy could play in a, an NBA game right now. Okay. Um, and, and I mean, Judd, you know, like Finch doesn't really BS with this stuff. Like, I, I, I think that's, I think that's real. You know, that said, they took it really easy on his body throughout training camp. I, I think it's fair to say he played a similarly small amount um, in training camp and in the preseason games to, to Carl. So, there's whatever's going on. It's kind of equal limitations in in that sort of way. The hope again is that it's just to kind of have these guys as close to 100 percent come tomorrow night. Uh, I I I think with Rudy, like he has been a guy who's been extremely healthy throughout his career. He's also, you know, he just hit 30. He's seven foot two. Like, if not this year, probably sometime in the next four years that he's under contract here in Minnesota. There are going to be some injury wear and tear that comes from being a product of being in your 30s and seven foot two. So I don't know if that's happening uh, right now. We there hasn't been any sort of reporting on that. But Finch has just said his body's been sore, and they're kind of you know just just trying to let him get as close to 100 percent for Wednesday. But again, if three weeks ago he was ready to play a game, I believe Finch that like I think he's going to be ready to play tomorrow. Circle back on on your point, too, about the fact, and we've all talked about this, the work in progress fact. Like, I mean, this is just going to be, if they were healthy, it would be to, to you know, to get Cat and Gobert and, and this entire team now on the same page. It would probably take some games. Dane, I think there's this expectation of, but the Wolves' schedule to start the season is so simple. So, like, how do those two things clash or meet? Because on one hand, if you're going to say, hey, this is going to take some time, I'm not saying that they can't beat bad teams, but I am saying uh, this is not going to be a fine-tuned group, and they're going to come out and play competitive games. How much do those things go head-to-head with, hey, there's a learning curve here, and yes, they're playing bad teams, but to think they're going to win 10 games out of the gate might be a little bit too optimistic. Yeah, I mean, because they're going to lack chemistry compared to a lot of their other opponents in the beginning of the season, um, they are going to have to make up for that elsewhere. They are one of the most talented teams in the league. So that in and of itself is, you know, makes up for the lack of chemistry they have compared to the Thunder or to the Jazz or whatever, which wouldn't exactly be two teams I would say have a ton of chemistry with each other. Um, But really what they're going to have to do is until they have that flow we're talking about, until they understand how this defensive scheme is going to work together, like, they're going to have to physically punk some people. And, like, Rudy and Carl are going to have to – I mean, this Thunder team has no big people on it. So the game plan (laughs) needs to be be bigger than the Thunder and and be more physical than them on the interior. Like, that in and of itself, if you can effectively do that, you should be able to knock the Thunder out in the first game and the third game of this season. So, yeah, it's like an easy – start to the schedule, I think that's probably helpful given that they kind of still need a preseason. It feels like with this, with this group, uh, that can be a dangerous thing though, right? Like 
Yes, the Thunder are going to start tanking at some point in this season. The Jazz are going to start tanking at some point in this season. Game one of the season, the Thunder are not going to tank. Game two of the season, the Jazz are not going to tank. Game three of the season, the Thunder aren't going to tank. So you're going to get like you're going to get a real shot of these teams, but um, I think they just need to rely on the talent significantly more talent they have than those teams, and also the fact that they're way bigger than them. Like you made this trade to be bigger and to punk some people. Like you got to go out and do that right away. Uh, Dane, what, what's what's up with D'Angelo Russell here? So so he, I, I saw Brian Windhorst was on with our guy Doogie, and he said there's nothing close to an extension. It just kind of seems like, too, in general, that it just will probably play out through the end of the year. Maybe D'Lo hits unrestricted free agency, and, and maybe the Wolves get a new deal done. Do you kind of feel that it's, it's trending in that same direction, that, hey, they'll just ride this out with D'Lo as they get you know maybe inch closer to the to the midway point of the season, extension talks pick up? What are your kind of thoughts on D'Angelo Russell's future as he enters his last year of his contract? Well, I think it's good that you brought up the fact that there is a whole year before you need to make a decision on them. I mean, as aggregating goes, particularly with Doogie and Windy, like it just picks up the, the you know, the top line there. Yeah. The Wolves aren't interested in extending D'Angelo Russell. Well, that might be true at this moment. Why, why if you're the Wolves, would you want to do that right now you, when you could wait? The, the whole year to see how this plays out. Like, yeah, maybe if it works out great, you have to pay D'Lo four or five million extra per year. But I think they'd take that, you know? I think if, if the Wolves are like win 55 games and it leads you to need to pay D'Lo five million more a year, like, okay, at least you've seen it and, and you know what it is. Like, I think there was a lot of confusion of when that came out because it's also when all the rookie extensions are going on. Like, the rookie extensions had to happen by yesterday on Monday. A veteran extension for D'Angelo Russell does not need to happen until June 30th after the season is over. It's the same situation as Patrick Beverly last year, which what happened? He got the extension in the middle of the season. So um, I don't think this is any signal of like smoke around D'Lo right now. I think it's just a logical thing to see how this all, you know, plays out. And by every account, like D'Lo is, really dialed in on this season and, you know, excited to prove himself kind of with, it seems like he understands that's what this year is about for him from a professional money standpoint, like go play, prove it, get paid by the Wolves or somebody else. Yeah. And, and then the, the one thing that I'm curious about that too, is because you're right. There's like this assumption, well, are you going to sign him? One, you don't have to now, but two is, you know, Tim Conley is still new. And so, like, he wants to see this guy play. And, and, and by the time, and by the way, we have all seen guys like this b- before. D'Lo uh, is, is, I mean, this yeah. is the exact thing we were and, so up in arms about with Wig getting the max contract. Yes. It was a year before Glenn looked him in the eye, shook his hand, and gave him a max contract a year yes. before he had to. Like, jokes aside, why did you give it to him a year before he had to? You lock in the guys that are no-brainers. Yes. I personally think, Amen. like, D'Lo, I would sign D'Lo right now if it was for like four years, ninety million, and we could get into why there's this salvage of salary slot, all sorts of things. But you don't have to do it right now, so why why would you? I don't. I think this is a nothing burger, really. And and he also is a classic, and we've and we have both covered these guys before. He's a classic training camp arrive happy guy. Hey, everything's great, and and he's a smart kid. Like he's a smart guy. But you know what? I sort of like this too. And you're exactly right with with 
Wiggy as well. Perfect comparison here. You know, if you're Tim Conley and Chris Finch, that you are far more likely to get a lot more from D'Angelo Russell playing on the last year of his contract than just saying, oh, okay, here's an, an extension. So I like this, but but I mean, I do think that we forget sometimes that Tim Conley and Finch are a new team themselves. Tim Conley is still new. Like he is, they have not played a regular season game yet. And, you know, to just assume that he's going to retain everybody or that's not how this works. So I actually like what he's doing here in giving himself at least a bit of room to work with. So if he says, you know what, I really don't like this guy that much, there's a way to part company. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they also need to play some chess here with this game. Like, even if Conley gets the chance to watch this for a year and it's good, but maybe not great, you it's worth it to salvage this salary slot. Like people yes. normally we think about when 30, like deals taking 31 million a year this year or 31 million this season. If he goes into unrestricted free agency and signs somewhere else, the wolves do not get $31 million in cap space. They're already over the cap. That's what happened when you bring in 40 million of Rudy Gobert. Carl's about to kick up to 50 million. Ant's about to get like they will in right. perpetuity are not going to have cap space. And Delo's thirty million coming off the books is not going to do that. So if that happens, like, let's play this out. Like if Delo walks in the offseason, what's your plan at point guard going forward? Jordan McLaughlin or a, a a player from a mid-level exception point guard, which is like ten million dollars. Like Tyus Jones just signed for fifteen. Like th- that is going to be a low-level point guard that they would have to replace D'Angelo Russell with. So so for me. That makes it one of two paths. Like, you give this to D'Lo, you hope he's the guy, or you have that contract that you could then, again, trade in the future. That's path one. Mm -hmm. Or path two is Ant becomes Luka, and and he becomes your point guard of the future. You're kind of lead ball handler type of guy. I think that is going to be one of the most fascinating sort of strategy things for the next five years is how they want to use Anthony Edwards. I, I think right now Finch is into the idea of Ant kind of being like the activating himself from the corner slasher type of guy on ball sometimes. But I think there's a case to be made that the best role for Ant could prove to be the Luka Doncic, the James Harden, the big guard who doesn't look like a point guard, but plays point guard for your team. I think that if you move off of D'Lo, that kind of forces your hand to, to be that, what, being that what you want to do with Anthony Edwards. And I think right now, I've asked Mitch about this a couple times. I do not think he's anywhere close to wanting to do that with Ant. Certainly not this season and maybe not for a couple of years until Ant really, you know, grows more and makes that quote-unquote leap. Dane, and even uh, just on the idea of you know, taking away the traditional point guard and just seeing guys like Luca bring up the ball and having that idea. It, it seems to me from an outsider perspective here too, by the way, who's someone who hasn't consumed a ton of NBA that just overpaying for the point guard position just seems not illogical, but just you could spend that money elsewhere too, right? Like, is, is that a position too where unless you have a guy like Steph Curry, who's generationally great, or, you know, John Morant, who's obviously budding in front of our eyes, like, it just seems like spending a lot of money at the point guard position doesn't seem like the wisest place, wisest spot to do that in a salary cap kind of league. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the deepest position in the league. Like, and it's not even close. It's also like a height thing, right? Like, <laughs> there's you a lot more 
human beings can play point guard, right? So there's there's a there's a larger like variety of different things you could do at point guard. Now maybe it is maybe in the future a couple years down the road it is Ant at you know as your main lead ball handler, and maybe it is a guy like Jordan McLaughlin next to him. You know, like we could go back to like some of the famous teams, like um, Derek Fisher was the point guard with the Lakers, but it was kind of like Kobe's show, right? Like Ron Harper or whatever with the the Bulls. Like that is that is not a like a or again with Luca, like Brunson or or with with Harden in Houston, Patrick Beverly, right? Like those are kind of like these cheaper point guards. So I think like there is a case to save some money on a position by having it be point guard, though you need to trust that Ant can play that Luca Harden D Wade type archetype of lead ball handler in a non point guard body. I think that's where he's going. I think that's the way if it were me, I would move with it. But to be fair, we don't know. Like he hasn't shown enough of that yet to to really make a big bet on it. Last thing, sir. How nice is this to be talking about and covering a team? And, and now I know the Butler year was certainly intriguing, and it was supposed to be fun. Um, so, so like you've covered a relevant team at least once or twice. But how nice is this to be covering a team now for the first time that I would say is sort of at the top of of the league as far as intrigue, as far as expectations. I mean, this is this is about as unwolves like as you could possibly get. It's got to be just a seriously a breath of fresh air to be covering a team where people are actually talking about that team as the season gets started. Yeah, I mean, this is my my sixth year on the the beat, and uh, only two of those teams have had winning records, but. This is John Krasinski's 19th year on the beat. Me and him did a, a show together last night, and he has only covered two winning teams in, in his career on, on the Timberwolves. Says a lot about Johnny. <laughs> That's yeah. what I said. That's a lot. That's a reflection on Johnny, <laughs> not Timberwolves. But in, in all seriousness, you know, like, I think you guys know how I, I tried to cover this team uh, a lot by talking about the actual basketball and what it what it looks like on the floor and, and studying that. And so much – so much of that for me has been like, we're watching these games play and we're talking about what, you know, what could this player be on quote unquote, the next good Wolves team, you know? And, and that was so much of the on-court basketball analysis. Well, this is the next good Wolves team. So what is happening now is real basketball that matters. And we are going to learn about what these players who have, from, you know, Rosas to Con, Gupta to Connolly have all been kind of put together in this idea of we're developing, we're developing. So once we're good, a Nasri to Jordan McLaughlin or whatever can can come into the mix. That's what we've been talking about forever. And now we can talk about a team, the starting lineup, and how well this is coming together and how well it stacks up against the rest of the league. I think I think for Wolves fans, it's going to be a completely different experience from the way you watch, the way you learn about this team. And it could go a lot of different directions too. Like it's going to be fun. This might not work out. Right. And it could also work out really, really well. Like the example, the glass, very half full um, example that I've talked about is two years ago when Chris Paul went to Phoenix. Boom, you know, 60 wins and in the finals. I think Rudy Gobert, and Chris Paul are similar types of players in that they're not this 
individual you know, 20, 25 a night um, driving individual offense in any sort of way. But I think they are a similar caliber of player, you know, maybe like the 18th and 17th best players mm-hmm. in the league or something. They're the type of guy who comes in and all of a sudden every other player on your team is 8% better. That's exactly what happened with Chris Paul and Phoenix. And that, you compound that 8% on every single player. You bring the professional mindset every single night, and they elevated really quickly. I think Rudy is that same type of player in his own different way, defensively, screen setting, lob threat, the little things on the margins that over 82 games, 48 minutes a night, make a huge difference. Like, this could really work out well, but we... You know, they're taking a pretty big bet that that is the type of player that Rudy is. And that's where we're going to find out this season. Uh, pl- plug your uh, pod too, Dane, so people can know yeah, where to find it. For sure. Yeah, the Dane Moore NBA podcast, um, pretty much five days a week. Uh, I have all the different uh, beat writers um, from the team joining me. I got Chris Hine from the Star Tribune on Mondays. I had John Krasinski from The Athletic uh, for today's show on, on Tuesday. Chase Frederick from Pioneer Press Wednesday, Britt Robson from MimPost on, on Thursdays, and then Kyle Tige, who uh, works with you guys over here at Score North as well on, on Fridays. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm, awesome. I've very, I've, for many years I've been doing post-game pods at like 2 a.m. I know you have. Anymore. I've seen you do them. I've left while you're doing them. Oh, uh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm so grateful to, to not be doing that anymore, but it won't, it won't limit the amount of uh, podcasts and coverage we do. And, I mean – Judd, like we're back in the locker room, you know, this year it's, it's, I a, know. it's you know, it's a different thing. So I'm really looking forward to, to the coverage of this team because I think a lot of why this will or will not work will be, ter- be determined by the personalities and how those personalities connect. And not that we get a full insight into that, but you brought up the, the Jimmy Butler season. I definitely noticed that in the locker room in, in 2017, you know, so We'll, you know, we'll be, we'll be tracking those sort of things. And I think this will be a year where, um, where those of us in the media and by proxy, the fans will learn a ton about this team and who the guys are individually. I think goes a long way. Great stuff, Dane. Thank you. Thanks, Dane. Appreciate you, dude. Dane Moore from the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Um, great stuff, which we will certainly react to at some point, but, uh, you know what we got next, Declan Goff, <laughs> we've got, that's right. Phil might not be here, but the stud stable is. Randy from Cottage Grove contacted us and said, look, I need to get on because I am not in jail. I am not in a courthouse. I have, uh, at least we think he's not. I want to give you my stud stable from Vikings over the Dolphins, and that is what we will get to next on Mackie and Judd. Football. Well, from the button-down NBA, Dane Moore, who who brings a, a wealth of knowledge about his league, we now go to Randy from Cottage Grove because because he called us and said, "I got to be on," and we said, "Why?" and he said, "Because I got a stud stable at five and one that my public can't miss." That's right, he said, "My public," and I said, "But it's our show," and he said, "I don't really care." Randy, what's going on? Uh, Are you sober right now? Of course, Randy. Uh, I- apparently as he likes to do to just drop back off but i but i think it's because he, he, tried, he claims he was sober now he claims i don't know uh, randy are you okay it's randy randy <laughs> this is off to a r- rip-roaring start are you feeling okay 
Are you sober? And if so, when when did your blood alcohol drop below the the legal uh, place where you can actually drive a car, Randy? You know, uh, as I've said earlier uh, in this program, one of the uh, places we'd like to party on, on, on during game day does a different sorts of shots for different sorts of outcomes. Okay. And sack, sack, a, sack uh-huh. is, a sack is a shot. Uh, oh, oh boy! A touchdown is a, is a shot, um, and one of the bartenders was uh, being real generous and doing uh, what they call pressure shots, oh. which if you get pretty good pressure, you, oh, no. you get in the backfield, knock a guy down. They they might roll another. Uh, in this week, they did uh, a, a jello shots. Declan, how many pressures do the Vikings have on Sunday? Uh, well, Zadarius had like eleven individually, so um, I, I think yeah, like... he, we owe him. We owe thank thank you, Zadarius. You you got a lot of us uh, real real looped up. How many Jello shots did you do, or at least when did you lose count? Well, Jello shots are uh, as I don't have to tell you, uh, Jeff. Probably from your your old days, right. uh, you uh, they, they're easy to take. You you do lose they track are. of them. You do lose track of them, and and a lot of a lot of people like like to suck them and suck them out. Uh, I I do a little different. I I put them upside down and tap on them, and then they just fall right out onto the lid, and then you just you just swallow it. I don't even chew it or anything. Just right down the hatch. Oh wow! What type of sack shots were were there? What was the alcohol of choice for a sack? It, I, it was it, it was a dealer dealer's choice. Typically, they do like a grape a grape ape for touchdowns and oh. for sacks. Uh, we we were uh, shooting uh, cinnamon the, the fireball. Fireball. I love I love a grape ape. Randy, do do you do the races with the grape ape? Do you do you get your buddies around and do the race? Because I always do the race with the grape ape. Two straws and whoever finished last has to pick up the tab. I don't know if you do you, that, but I'm, I'm that that's also free advertising for you now. I never I would never finish last. Well, of course, that right now I slide. I, there's a lot of things we used to do. What uh, what's called a, like a like a blue light? You get a bottle of Bud Bud Light, fill the neck with uh, blue, the the blue raspberry, the Black House, the blue raspberry. It's, it's like uh, rumpy, but it's the raspberry flavor, hundred proof. Put the put that in the neck of a Bud Light and mix it up. Call it a blue light. You knock two three of those down, you got a great head start. Before we get to the stable, um, one question for for you, and I know it's a drive, uh, but. Uh, Score North had a, a viewing vent line party at Surly on Sunday. And there was more than one person who asked me, Judd, where is Randy? And I said, I don't know. Um, did you consider joining us? And and if so, what stopped you from, from joining in the fun and for the first time ever really coming out and addressing your public? Where, where was this at? Surly Brewing, Minneapolis. Is it one of those? Is it like a like a micro brew? Um, no, we I don't know. What we call it micro know, brew. Know, micro brew. No, it's a brew house of of I've some had, very I've fine beer. I've had that. My 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 friend's uh, nephew has a. Uh, we built him a kegerator, and he put he didn't put domestic in it. It, it was uh, it was one of those ho- uh, hop hopsters, what they call them, like a like an IPA. Oh yeah, and it was good. Yeah, those are good. I, I, I like what I'm too. saying. Yeah, I you know I. I'm still, like I said, uh, working out some kinks from a legal perspective, and sure. uh, part of that is going to be to get get my uh, insurance reinstated so I can drive a vehicle legally. I don't want to ride dirty, as they say. You could have gotten a ride from somebody, Uber, perhaps. There's a lot of good bars in Cottage Grove, Jeff. I don't know if you. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. We're just here. disappointed. Well, you, well, well, why don't you host, why don't you host one out here? You can do Jello shots. 
Yeah, Judd. Right, uh, I don't think I can do cello shots and then vent line. Let's say responsibly, Randy. I think that might be a mistake on my part. I think I, I might be as, if I tried that, I'd be as unemployed as you are right now. If you believe in uh, yourself, there's a lot of things you can do. Wow, that's deep. Jeez, Randy, I didn't know. Hmm. Okay, 5-1 and one Vikings. 5-1 and one Vikings. They haven't lost since I got my chill boys, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Do you, want, do you want to talk about them, Randy? Do the they're, spot. They're great. I, I mean, I haven't. I, I, I don't believe they are, are compensating me for a spot, but I'd just be a satisfied customer. Sure. I haven't washed, I haven't washed them yet. Well, you should wash them. That's kind of okay. Cool. Yeah. They're very cool, and they don't get the stink that other uh, well, underwear okay. gets. All right, Randy, thank you thank very you. much for that. Um, Chill Boys is great. Okay, so stud stable for the Dolphins Vikings game five and one at the bye. The music is playing. The floor is yours. This is the five and one uh, stud stable. Uh, this is a stud uh, once again four now in a, in a row uh, stud stables. And I said, well, the first one is we're not going to lose for a while. Turns out old Randy was right. Yeah. Uh, number one, we're going to start out with a guy who, you know, he, he's a little long, maybe a little long in the tooth. But he absolutely, during the game, I said, uh, I tweeted on on him that he's going to be in the stable. And he absolutely was. And his name is Patrick Peterson. Patrick, you you may be a seasoned vet, oh. but you were out there being a disruptor, uh, getting in everybody's mix. And doing it in a smart way. Not a lot of flags this week. Very, very disciplined defense. Mm-hmm. And Patrick, you are a stud. I love it. He, he locked it down yesterday, Randy. He locked it. You know, you were locking it down at the bar. He was locking it down against Jalen Waddle. He was making sure the clamps were being put down. I like it. One of the one of the ways that we absolutely, absolutely locked it down at the bar was those t- those touchdown shots. And and one of those came from from a. Gentlemen, uh, by the but we may have forgotten about him by the name of Delvin Cook. Delvin, yeah. a lot of people, including on this program, seem to think you lost a step or two. Well, maybe not. Maybe maybe that extra gear kind of got lubed up on, on Sunday, and you you were able to to pop it into fifth and and hit the gritty, as they say. And and and, and I like it. I like it, and I like that you're you're coming into your stride. Now you got a bye week to kind of grease it down and get that deep tissue work done, and you're ready to rock. Delvin, you. you're a super stud. Look at you, deep tissue rubs. You yeah. are, well, you he, know what? He's familiar with People that sell with, you his, uh, with his jock itch, right? That you're, you're familiar with, with that, correct? Tania Kuris. The jock itch? Tania Kuris. Oh. And fi- don't, don't tick him off before he's done. Sorry. Finally. Stud stable. Yes, finally. Yes. He's the guy who's starting to become a little bit of a fixture in this stable. And he's made a couple appearances so far, and the way he's getting us those sh- those shots, the pressure shots, and certainly the sack shots, this is a guy who's all kinds of disruption. Whether it's him getting to the QB or, or causing mis- mismatches elsewhere, this is a guy who's been an absolute steal. What, uh, whatever we're paying him, it ain't enough. Zalarius Smith, you definitely have cemented your reputation in a lot of hearts of people at the bar I drink at. Because we get shots every time you go do your thing. You just keep doing it. You take that bye week and get nice and healthy because, Valerius, you are a super duper stud. Should we tell him at some point or no? Well, we could, I feel like we shouldn't. I don't know. I kind of like that it's Zalarius. No, I, 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 I don't. He calls so you it'd Jeff. Be Z, it'd be Z A. Yeah, but I, I don't care about that. But it would be Z A. 
apostrophe L-A-R-I-U-S. Zalarius. Zalarius. Yeah, I mean, he's been joining Mackie and Judd for years now, and he hasn't gotten the... I mean, we say Mackie and Judd every time yeah. when he joins the show, and he still opts to call right. you Jeff. Well, he's also he doesn't know my name. Phil. He's also called Phil Jeff before, That's arbitrarily, true. too, yeah. so I don't think he knows Phil's he doesn't, name either. He doesn't know that, my name. Mm, boy. You know what hurts no. about that? What what hurts about that is I have done a lot in the past few years, Declan Goff, to improve myself. You to have. To be the best Judd I can be. Not the best Jeff, because I'm not named Jeff. Sure. I've been mistaken for Jeff a lot. But to be the best Judd I, I can be. And one of those things that I did just over a year ago now was join the fine folks at Livia Weight Control Centers on a weight loss program, not a diet, not a fad diet, a weight loss program that 100% works. And, and you know what? I had somebody come up to me at the party on Sunday at Surly and say, right. you know what, Judd, thank you very much. I dropped 30 pounds because of of the program. Livia works. We've had people for, who have tweeted at us, emailed us from the the country, Vikings fans in yep. California, yep. Tennessee, saying, you know what, I joined and lost weight because it, it can be done in town here if you go to one of their locations, but it also can be done virtually. And if you join right now, you're going to re- receive eight weeks for free. That's right, eight weeks for wow. free. Imagine all the weight that you can drop in eight weeks. And the new Flex program, it's even better. You can eat your favorites, fruit, pasta, even bread. 855-GO-LIVIA, livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Livia is where weight loss starts and all those clothes that you want to get back into start to fit as well, Livia.com. Um, so after the game last night, mm-hmm. Wild Avs game, Declan Goff and I together, side-by-side, side, sports dad, sports son, yep. in the press box, watching that tilt. Uh, we we did a Judd's Hockey Show from the X Live. Yep. And by the way, for all, all of you who stayed up late and watched, thank you very much. Yeah, thank that was, you. That was awesome to see. Um, but now is some time to sleep on an 0-3 start. Um, after the Wild lost a game to the defending Stanley Cup champions in which they 100% could have won, um, aside from some incredibly shaky goaltending by Philip Gustafson, in a post-game press conference in which we both agreed, I think, Dex, that Dean Evason was sort of searching for answers. And the team, by the way, has today off now. Like, go clear. Three games in, go clear your head off. Right. Um, what are your thoughts, ha- having slept on the result and the wild now three games, twenty goals against, which you know is is brutal. That's awful. Uh, it man, this if they can't fix their goaltending, it's going to be just extremely problematic. Um, and it it's it, are there areas too where the defense has not been able to bail them out? You know, I look back at that Rangers game and a lot of just great tic tac toe passing, and it's a great offense that the Rangers have. So you know, sometimes you just got to tip the cap and say, hey, you know, you're not going to win every game. You're not you're going to get dominated by some good teams. But I think in the last two games uh, specifically, it's been really bad. It, it's just been, there's not really much of an excuse you can make for a good offense or good play. And look, I know Colorado's the reigning Stanley Cup champions. I'm not trying to rain down on that parade. Um, but the, the types of goals that they're allowing right now are just unacceptable. Um, their offense is good. I, I think their offense is fine. I, I don't have much of an issue with their offense. There's certain players, Ryan Hartman, for example, um, who aren't yep. living up to potential or not playing up to par per se. But in general, I've liked what I've seen from the Wilds' offense. Their goaltending has literally shipwrecking them right now. It's it's in the pie chart. It is ninety percent of the reason they are zero and three. 
Yeah. And if you want to figure out the last 10% of that pie and put nitpicks here and there, go for it. But 90% of the reason you are 0-3 right now is because of your goaltending. It's it's absolutely putrid. Yeah, and I felt like in, in the Kings game, I did I felt like the whole defensive structure was poor. And then, yes, but you're right. Ultimately, you've got to make some saves. Uh, last night, like, you can just pick out two or three goals that can't happen. Yep. It's a National Hockey League game. Uh, the McKinnon dump-in that Gustafson botched and, and then got knocked in by, I believe, Rantanen cannot happen. And if it does, it's going to cost you a game, and ultimately it it played a big role. Um, yeah, I, I just – I don't know. So it's three games, and I get that, okay? But here's where I will say for those – and I haven't seen this a lot, but I'm just – just as an example, Dex. Uh, for those who say, well, it's three games. Uh, come on, you know. I mean, Dean did say it's early in the season. Right. But when you're giving the team off to clear its collective head three games in, when you have a team that looks like it played – and I'm telling you, the only thing I can equate this to is it looked like the Wild made a deep playoff run. Like, they've come back and they look lethargic. They're not playing smart hockey. And again, the goaltending is bad, which submarines everything because everyone's confidence goes way down there. Yeah, yeah. But all of that being said, I don't think we can just dismiss this completely uh, because of how it's looked. You know, if you had lost games, if the scoring wasn't there yet, Dex, let's just, let's just say they lost to the Rangers four to three. Uh, they lost the next game three to two. And then last night, two to one or something like that. I think you would say, okay, that's a little bit concerning, but the scoring will come around. Um. But the fact that everything is so out of whack and the fact that you have given up 20 goals in three games, I mean, goal scoring is up, but this is ridiculous. I think what we said at the end of last night's uh, JHS remains my biggest thought. You need Flurry to have a big game Thursday. Like, he is, he is definitely off. Like, he looks off. Post-game locker room, he looks off. You need him to have a semblance of confidence and come back on Thursday and play well. Because one, Gustafson's not the guy. He's just not. And two, to your point, you're scoring goals. And everyone's confidence. I mean, if Marc-Andre Fleury has another bad game, that drags everyone's confidence down. And in my opinion, that's what we're seeing now, which is we score goals, and then the goaltender just gives up a goal. So, so far this season, um, looking at goals saved above expected. So with that, that's a metric that um, basically takes what shots are the goalie preventing in, in, in league average save percentage situations. So basically, is the goalie stopping league average shots in areas that he should be stopping in? Right now, as collectively with Marc-Andre Fleury and Philippe Gustafson, they are negative nine in terms of goals saved above expected. You want to be zero. You, you want to be at least zero. You want to be the, you're stopping all the pucks you should be stopping. Once you're plus, that means you're stopping above shots that you should be stopping. That's a good, that's a good area to be. So mm-hmm. technically, because of the empty netters, the wild goaltenders have allowed 19 goals this season. So, so 19 true goals that the wild goaltending has allowed this year. You have negative nine goals saved above expected. So that means nine of your 19 goals are strictly from poor goaltending. Absolutely horrible goaltending. Last year, as a team, collectively, between Kakinen, between Tam Talbot, between Marc-Andre Fleur when he was, when he was here, the Wild team's goals um, saved above expected was nine plus 9.7. So as a team, that's, that's slightly above average. It was fine. You got by with it. You won 113 points. You weren't negative in your goaltending. Um, you could have certainly had better goaltending, but you'd take that. 
you would take that as as a team from your goaltending that you're you're above zero, you're stopping some pucks that are that that are even above the expected rate. But right now you're negative nine, so you've allowed not over almost fifty percent of the goals that the Wild have allowed this year have been completely just non-starters. They they cannot allow those types of goals. Now yeah. with Flurry, he's played seventy nine minutes. Actually, Gustafson's logged ninety five because he relieved Flurry after the Kings game. So Gustafson has actually been in there for um, about fifteen minutes more than Flurry has. But this this falls on Mark Andre. Like Philippe Gustafson's not going to save you, and nor should he. The expectation isn't he's he's not going to save you. Um, it's on Mark Andre Fleury. Now I will say, even though he looked poor in these in these first two games, there aren't many other goaltenders that I can trust that I think can bounce back mentally from this. Like someone like Mark Andre Fleury. I I and that's someone I know he's older, but just mentally he has been here before. He got pulled in playoff games and still saved his career. Right. He has won Stanley oh, yeah. Cups. He's gone to different franchises. So in terms of goalies that can pull themselves out of the muck like this mentally, there aren't, there, there's a very short few amount of goalies that have had this history of being able to do so. Marc-Andre Fleury is one of them. He has a track record. The problem is he's 38 now. When you get pulled in you know, the, the Cup playoffs in, what was that, the first time, 2014 or 15, and Matt Murray comes to save your day, well, you're, you know, you're still 30 years old, right? Like you're... You still got a lot right, of career gonna, ahead of you here. Mark exactly. Mark Andre knows he's at the end of the run, but I, I will say he's had a history of doing so. But the pressure's on Mark Andre Fleury to do so. He has to dig them out of this hole. And I guess what concerns me the most along the lines that you're talking about too is the fact that Flower seems to have picked up where he left off from the playoffs. Unfortunately, like it's lingering, and it's been months. So like he came here, he he had a rough year in. Chicago, which I totally get, that team was terrible. Gets traded here, comes here and plays pretty well. Becomes the primary guy in the playoffs and struggles. No question about it, right? And now my problem, Dex, is that it's like he picked up with that. And so I guess my question, my question is, why didn't, why couldn't you get yourself out of that? And and what's weird is in the preseason he looked absolutely fine. It's like we flipped the lights on opening night and and the pressure increased again. And what we saw against the Blues, because, you know, again, against the Blues, he did you no favors. Like, he was supposed to be the backbone, which, which is why he started until the last game when Cam Talbot made his last start in goal for this franchise. And he was supposed to be the backbone, and he wasn't. And and so it's a very odd thing. What did you make, too, and we didn't get into this deeply uh, last night, but what did you make of Dean's postgame presser? Yeah, it was interesting. I, he He... He seems still pretty. I seemed to gather that he still seemed pretty positive they're going to dig themselves out of this. I don't think he wanted to panic. I didn't think that he wanted to have the panic button of, of if I start to panic, then the room starts to panic. Right? He doesn't want to be a pushover. Um, he's looking at it as it's the beginning of the season. You can still dig ourselves out. We're not, you know, blowing a division lead here. We're not crumbling as the playoffs near. It's zero and three. Certainly not an ideal start. We, there's still plenty of room to rebound here. Past wild teams have, have shown that they've started slow and then kind of gotten hot. Oh yeah. So it, it's not the end of the world, but I, I just thought how I was, I thought he'd come in a lot more pissed off and he wasn't. Um, and I wasn't, ex- I'm not saying he should have been more pissed off to us, uh, us being the media, but I, right. I was a little surprised that he just seemed like, yeah, they'll be fine here. We're going to dig ourselves out. We're going to give them the day off on what now is Tuesday. It's going to be just fine. Come here to work on Wednesday. We'll dig ourselves out. It's not that big of a deal. But I was surprised how spirited he was after losing the third straight game to start the season. 
So I think as far as the press conference goes, that's the only play. Because if you come in now at 0-3 pissed off, you're in trouble. Uh, the underlying factor of the press conference, though, that I that I picked up on that I thought was really intriguing was he's clearly very confused as to why the hell his team looks so bad. And the goaltending is a huge concern. And, and he's trying to downplay that by saying it's the rest of the team as well. It's the defensive thing, and that's fine. Um, but I think that there's a lot of confusion about this start on his part. And you can clearly see that he didn't see it coming. Like there's sometimes I think where your team struggles or you're not playing well, or you just have a collection of guys who are slappies and you're like, okay, this team's not that good. I I will say the positive things and then leave. Um, But as he was answering questions and being pressed a little bit more, I felt that he was very, I felt there was a lot of what the hell is going on here. Yeah. And I think they I think they might have taken today off as much for his sanity and sake to look at things as their own. Um because I don't I think that this start and how it's looked. So oh and three, because cause just to be clear, you're right. There's what, seventy nine games left? Uh to just to be very clear, on the surface, oh and three is not bad. Like it's not good, it's not but it's you're going to have a downstretch at some point in time. It just so happens the wild has come at the beginning of the season. But where I think Dean is perplexed is this. I think that he believed, you know, that Flurry would rebound after the playoffs and play well. And now you've given up 19 goals against your goaltenders and 20 goals total in three games. And now you've had at least back-to-back games where, to your point, offensively, you did enough to win those games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I sensed, uh, I sensed he was trying his best to remain as calm as possible in front of us while being really thrown off by what we're seeing probably most, probably mostly from goaltending, but also the blue line as well. Like they're trying to get Galagoski to 1000 games. And I'm going to tell you right now, he looks, he doesn't, he looks slow. He looks like a guy who could easily be scratched decks. Uh, Brodeen, at least the first two games for him, got off to a terrible start. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, that's rare because he's like the most consistent dude there is. Yeah. Um, Spurgeon doesn't look like Spurgeon yet. Dumba has done, in my opinion, very, very little. So I think with Dean, he's trying his best to reflect a calmness. It's going to be fine. But I think there's a genuine concern about how this looks. Not the record, but what, but how you got to the record. Yeah, and I think that's where he wants to remain calm because if he starts to panic, then, you know, the room starts to panic, then things just start sputtering out of control. But, you know, he talked about them playing with anxiety too, you know, in their own zone, which has been an issue. That's, that's clear that they're playing with some, you know, form of anxiety that they can't seem to figure out that when they're in their defensive zone and how to hold a lead or just letting in these fluky goals, which comes down to more of the goaltending that does the team. Um, there's been a lot of good things that this team has done, and it's basically falls on goaltending being the biggest culprit to why they're rolling three right now. They're they're eighth in offense. They've played three games. They've scored the eighth amount of goals in the NHL. They're dead last in goals Saturday. allowed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they've seven to six on Saturday. It was crazy. They've done more than enough to to win all of these games, to be honest. And they're right now they're rolling three because they're goaltending. Absolutely. All right, sir, take us home. All right, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. We have a write that down session, an accountability session. Our guy Mackie. Um, we'll likely be back for that as well. So we'll have a uh, potential, not a bloodbath, but I'm curious on what what will what the state of write that down is. 
you predicted this last time as well when Phil was, was gone, and I believe you were vindicated and, and turned out to be right. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens uh, on the latest edition of Write That Down. But hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. Of course, check out our Purple Daily YouTube page as well. Plenty of Vikings content there from uh, our main show, from Realistic Randy, from Before We Die with Jesse Pierce, Thor Nice, Sermon Ross Brendel. Hit the subscribe button. We'll be back on Wednesday for an accountability session.